Welcome and happy Easter. I'm so glad you joined us. I miss you. And you know I'm not a hugger, but, but when we get back together, I might just hug everyone. This morning I'm excited to be able to preach on Easter Sunday. And this morning I want to explore two terms. One's profound and the other term is unexpected. Profound and unexpected. It's kind of where we are. It's an intense surprise. It's an unexpected shock. It's something that's unlikely to happen. And again, we're going to look at the book of John as we look at the Easter story in John chapter 20. And you've got to ask yourself, every time you look at the book of John, who is this man? Who was it that wrote this gospel? He was a fisherman. He was a brother to James. He was Jesus' beloved disciple. He was old now, and he was reflecting back on his time with Jesus here on earth, his ministry, his relationship. And as we go to John chapter 20, we see the followers of Jesus found themselves in a situation where they were experiencing profound and unexpected change. See, it was Easter Sunday morning. Jesus had been crucified on Friday, laid in the tomb for the Sabbath day. He had been suffer, he had suffered and he had been beaten, nailed to a cross, a spear thrust in his side. It was gruesome. And they were experiencing profound and unexpected change. Never before would we have expected this kind of change in our lives, where we are right now. The pandemic, it's turned our world upside down. There was a loss of normalcy. It it makes us realize our frailty and uncertainty. The coronavirus has changed us. All of us. And we've learned a lot about ourselves. And I think the best comparison is we've all pretty much turned into dogs. A dog. We roam around the house all day long looking for food. We're told no if we get close to strangers. And we get really excited about car rides. What happened when everything changed for the followers of Jesus at his death? What did they do? They hid, they ran, they cowered, they were cowards. Only a few stayed with him through the trials and the cross to the tomb. One was the Apostle John. We're going to see another one, Mary Magdalene, and get to know her better today. Now, maybe during this time... For those apostles, maybe during this whole Holy Week, can you imagine, and maybe you've done this, I've, I've had several Zoom video chat meetings with multiple people because we're socially distancing ourselves and physically distancing ourselves. And in these moments of Zoom, of video conferencing, 
of social distance versus physical distance, never spiritual distance, we've kind of reached a new normal. I would encourage you maybe to do a, a video conference with your extended family on Zoom today. Now, I laughed when I heard someone was speculating about what a Zoom call might have looked like in the time of Jesus. Here is maybe what the Last Supper would have looked like on Zoom. Can you picture that? Now, this morning we want to go to John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles or your tablets, go there. Verse 1, and it starts out like this. Now, on the first Day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. And reached the tomb first. Now, John probably was younger than Peter. Maybe he was a better athlete. I don't know. But they raced there. They ran to see what had happened. They didn't know what it could possibly have been. They were in the midst of that profound and unexpected change. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there and and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. There was a folded face cloth. Now, what thief who would have stolen that body would have ever folded that face cloth up? But if you know anything about Jewish tradition... If a master at the table at the end of the dinner dropped the napkin on the table, then it would indicate that he was finished. But if he folded it and placed it on the table, that would mean that that master was not done. There was more to come. Jesus was signaling the apostles and his followers. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. The first believer in the resurrection. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now in this moment, I don't think Mary even acknowledged that the angels were there. She was so distraught, so grieved. Notice verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Again, it was early morning. She was wrought with agony of grief, and she wasn't looking 
for Jesus. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Rabuni doesn't just mean teacher. It's more personal. It's my teacher, my beloved teacher. And she clinged to him with joy. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. She says, I have seen the Lord. Mary, in a moment, went from before Christ, B.C., to A.D. in the year of our Lord. In that moment, from grief to joy in a heartbeat. My question for you is, have you seen Jesus? Have you met him? Have you experienced the profound and unexpected joy of his resurrection? His profound and unexpected joy. C.S. Lewis the Oxford scholar who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, described himself as the most reluctant convert to, to Christ in all of England. He described himself as someone who came kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. But he said the most surprising thing about his conversion was the joy of it. So he aptly titled his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. Have you experienced that joy in salvation and knowing the resurrected Lord? On the evening of that day, verse 19, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were still cowering. They hadn't believed what Mary had said. They did not believe that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. His first words to them after his resurrection was shalom, peace, peace in this circumstance, peace in the stormy trial, peace in my death, in my burial, in my resurrection. He was saying, in the tough days, remember, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even I am sending you. I mean, they go from seeing him, experiencing him. Now they're being sent. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now this was a, a temporary filling of the Holy Spirit, not like what we see in the book of Acts. And then he goes on to say, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now someone was missing. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with 
them when Jesus came. So, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas. That's pretty final, Thomas. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. The apostles had seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. Mary had seen the Lord. I love this passage because to me it reveals the bare naked truth of the gospel. Thomas personified what we feel, what many of us feel and believe. Unless I see it, unless I have proof, unless I touch it, I will not believe. And when Thomas does, he responds with personal, a personal acclamation, an intimate acclamation, my Lord and my God. And when Thomas does, he responds with a personal, my Lord and my God. Have you been blessed because you have not seen and yet believe? Are you a believer? And, and when it comes to spiritual truth, are you prepared to believe what you have not seen? Never forget Jesus' promise. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We've seen profound and unexpected change. We've seen profound and unexpected joy. And now we're going to look at profound and unexpected passion and courage. Those that didn't believe, who had hid in fear, were changed from cowards to courageous, from pathetic to passionate. Their belief drove them to preach and teach and share the gospel, to be a part of the mission of the kingdom of God. And they willingly gave their lives for something that could never be taken away. Are you living with passion and courage? Are you living as if you believed? Italy has been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus. And in a penetrating article, Italian journalist Mattia Ferracci makes an interesting argument that the fundamental failure in Italy was not lack of testing or slow political action, but a social and collective failure. People just did not take the coronavirus seriously enough, even to, to slightly adapt their habits. It's a brave argument. It would be much easier for, to criticize the government for the errors of action or inaction rather than risk being accused of blaming the victims. But when Farachi saw and could not repress and, and what and could not repress 
was something else. The radical incapacity on the part of the Italian public to adapt to the possibility of a terrible outcome. An outcome discounted by everyone until it was really too late. Faraci said, I and many other Italians just did not see the need to change our routines for the, a threat we could not see. Even though he had accumulated a lot of information on the virus, he said he lacked what you might call moral knowledge. He knew about the virus, but the issue was not affecting his actions. The same denial and lack of action is seen from the very beginning of creation to our present day. People deny their sins, they ignore the need for radical action in repentance, and suffer the consequences of the ultimate tragedy of eternity in hell. Because they didn't believe. Now, let me just bring you back to what was John's purpose in writing the book of John? What was the purpose of this book? Look at verse 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John writes firsthand. He's the only apostle that we know of that was present at the cross. First apostle to believe in the resurrection. He saw the risen Lord with the other apostles. And he believed because of what he saw, and it changed his life. Mary Magdalene also was at the cross, at the tomb late that night, back at the tomb on the first day, on that Sunday morning. She loved Jesus. She clung to Jesus. A woman was the first one to see the risen Lord. You've got to ask yourself, how could a Jew today not know the Messiah? Secular Jewish writer and popular novelist Andrew Claven was raised in a non-practicing Jewish home. For about the first 45 years of his life, he lived as a philosophical agnostic and a practical atheist. Clavin explains some of the steps along his journey that eventually led him to faith in Christ. He says, Jesus never appeared to me while I lay drunk in the gutter. And yet, looking back on my life, I see that Christ was beckoning to me at every turn. When I was a child, he was there in the kindness of a Christian babysitter and the magic of a Christmas Eve spent at her house. When I was a troubled young man con contemplating suicide, he was the voice of a Christian baseball player who gave a radio interview that inspired me to go on. And always, he was in the day-to-day -day miracle of my marriage, a lifelong romance that taught me the reality of love and slowly led me to contemplate the greater love that was its source and inspiration. But perhaps... Most important for a novelist who insisted that ideas should make sense, Christ came to me in stories. Slowly I came to understand that his life, words, sacrifice, and resurrection formed the hidden logic behind every novel, every movie, every play 
that touched my deepest mind. I was reading a story when that logic finally kicked in. I was in my 40s, he says, lying in bed with one of Pat Patrick O'Brien's great seafaring adventure novels. One of the characters whom I admired said a prayer before going to sleep, and I thought to myself, well, if he can pray, so can I. I laid the book aside and whispered a three-word prayer in gratitude for the contentment I'd found and, and for the work and the people I loved. Three words, what were they? Thank you, God. It was a small and even a prideful prayer, a self-impressed intellectual's hesitant experiment with faith. God's response was an act of extravagant grace. I woke the next morning and everything had changed. There was a sudden clarity and brightness to familiar faces and objects. They were alive with meaning and with my own delight in them. I called this experience the joy of my joy. And it came to me again whenever I prayed. Naturally, I began to pray every day. This would lead to a full acceptance of Christ as Lord. Later, Clavin was baptized and wrote a book about his spiritual journey titled, The Great Good Thing, A Secular Jew Comes to Faith in Christ. It was God's kindness, his grace, his love, his story that brought him to belief and the joy of his joy, full acceptance in Jesus Christ and obedience in Christian baptism. Do you remember the two terms that we talked about in the beginning? Profound and unexpected. Intense surprise or shock. Amazing. Profound and unexpected. And we looked at profound and unexpected change Profound and unexpected joy. Profound and unexpected passion and courage. Why? Because those that saw him believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Today, do you believe? Do you know the resurrected Lord? Have you come to him in repentance? Have you been obedient in baptism? Have you experienced that unexpected and profound joy? That profound and unexpected change? That profound and unexpected courage and passion? I hope you will this morning. Today, today could be the day. If you're following along on Facebook or, or some of the other platforms, if you, if you would like to talk to someone, please go to that chat and say, hey, I, I'd like to talk about my relationship with, with Christ. I believe. Or, or I need help with that next step. And, and right now, I'd just like to pray for you. Dear God and Father, we are thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for that unexpected change to go from death to life. Father, we thank you for that unexpected joy. And I pray for those that are viewing this, that they would experience that. If they've never experienced that in their lives, that joy in the midst of trial, that joy every day of their lives, that hope that goes beyond this life. And Father, I pray for them for un and profound and unexpected courage and passion to live their lives in times like these. And Father, I just praise you and thank you and ask you to bless them 
in the name of Jesus.